You're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot some. I can't What's up, y'all? We're here. Ryan's house is hosting. So Ryan, Mark, Evan here for Pints and Provisions podcast. Let's do this. Yep. We were sad that Dan couldn't uh, join us. He was resting his voice because he has upcoming Wheaton football radio to do. So hopefully Dan gets his voice back because we also need him back as much as Wheaton does for the podcast. Maybe more. Maybe more. What we're going to do is start off with beers of the week. I'll let Mark go first. All right, so beer of the week for me would be uh, from Transient Artisan Ales, obligatory. Where is Transient? I believe it's in Bridgman, uh, yeah. um, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. So uh, 6.5% ABV. It's a IPA, just a, a nicely done IPA from them. Uh, nice citrus notes, um, just kind of right in my wheelhouse for flavor profile. What's the name? Obligatory. Obligatory, Okay. That's a tough That's word a good for one. me to say, Abba so don't make Lagatory? me say it again. Abalagatory. <laughs> so when you go to Bridgman and mm-hmm. go to Transient, do they typically have cans? I know that some of their releases have gone quickly. I don't know what their availability with out of sure. out of the shop cans are. So the actual place is is not very big at all. It's actually probably the size of Ryan's kitchen and dining room here. You walk in, they have a, a tiny little bar with the register set up kind of have the tap list uh, on a chalkboard but as you walk in and you're standing in line they they usually kind of wrap around the wall with you know whatever cans they've released that week they've got them sitting there just like on the pallets and you just you walk okay. in and grab a four pack off the pallet um, they have other stuff t-shirts hats you know what you know different swag and then they right. have bo- they usually have glass bottles to go right um on the wall as well yes yep okay. so they do have a, a probably two shelves that have different okay. bottles might be some of their stouts maybe stuff that's not necessarily released right that week yeah i've always liked their stuff um they yeah. make some fruited i don't know if they're berliner weiss or actually kettle sours or what exactly they are uh they have a series of a few different series that they that they refer to them but uh they're about three three point two percent oh those are Really, Quaffable. really easy drinking, but very flavorful, uh, sour type beers. Nice. And it's uh, I've always found I've always found their uh, their fruited stuff to be really really enjoyable. When when I think I love the lower ABV, you know, I just really really enjoy it because you can drink it for a longer period of time, uh, enjoy it, and not have to worry about you know how you're going to feel the next day, too much of a buzz driving, whatever. When I when I first found out about them, I I viewed them more as a an IPA type of brewery, but uh, along with what you just said, they also have um, some pretty decent stouts as well. Uh, Buckley Buckley was the one that at first inter- that 
I was introduced to, and I think they have some uh, variants of that called like Kentucky or something like that. It's a a bourbon barrel aged version of yep. Buckley, and Buckley, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a coffee stout. So uh, and they but, do like they do Buckley Kentucky, some other weird name. Yeah, they do a few different stouts. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think they got put on the map originally by IPAs and Buckley. When they were contract brewing in the Chicago area, I don't know if it was yeah. from Hailstorm or Mars or one of those bigger breweries uh, in the Chicago land area. Was it microphone? It, well, I don't think no, it was micro. No, microphone the, the, was also was, contract brewing. I think it was Hail, at the time. Hailstorm. Maybe it was Hailstorm. Right. Yeah. And then okay. um, they opened the Bridgman facility probably three years ago, four years ago, and kind of took off with sours and really expanded their IPAs. It seems like they make a ton of different ones now. And I, I know they've done some more barrel aging and different things too, so it's really helped them just expand their yeah. offerings and and everything else. So if uh, you're if you're in the area, it's it's a cool little place to go. They've they've got some tables, uh, indoor outdoor. You can sit down. Beautiful just, tap room. Yep, just uh, hang out right off the exit. Yep. So oh, nice. Not far at all. And okay. Bridgman's a nice little downtown area as well. Cool. Well, just um, not to interrupt you, Ryan. I'm going to we're we're working on sipping on some of these Henry and Fran beers. Cool. <laughs> that one exploded a little bit. Well, no, that's the way it was when I uh, opened it up at first. That's it's... how we expected my 2015 Bourbon County coffee to. Yeah, that was. Uh, and it I didn't. guess not quite an old faithful, but yeah. exploded a little bit. Anyway, we are working on sipping, tasting the Henry and Fran beers. This is the How to Reimagine the World, a Goza with Himalayan pink sea salt and Skittles, Skittles. ABV 5.3%. I love Skittles. Wow. Did you save some for me? Oh, yeah. All right. Evan, what's your uh, beer of the week? Mine happened to be from the good old boys at Trillium. It was the Headroom Double IPA. Nice. Uh, it is a very dank, hop, crazy, low amounts of you know malt and everything it's exponentially hazy exponentially hazy almost to the point where it just has this like almost green color to it but it doesn't burn like aspirin some like some of those super dry hopped double IPAs it was very well done so nice watch out for the bottom of that can don't pour the bottom of that can out are there skittles in there <laughs> not skittles there is <laughs> oh. sludge okay. made me wonder if there was skittles in there no Himalayan pink salt. What an interesting combination. It's like, can you shake it like a can of Guinness that's got the little widget in Ooh, it? Yeah, almost. <laughs> it tastes about as sweet as it. So, uh, Ryan, your turn. Yeah, I was uh, recommended by a friend, Charles, who's a listener. Uh, he just went up to Portland, Maine and did a uh, basically a beercation. Kind of one uh, probably a little bit off of what we've talked about here uh, on the podcast. And he recommended uh, Battery Steel Brewing out of Portland. He said that, uh, you know, not to list off all the, the different breweries that he drank uh, IPAs from, but he said they were making the best out of uh, all the New England style and all the breweries that he went to from his uh, kind of East Coast, Northeast uh, beercation that he went on with, uh, with another friend who also agreed. So I went out and got a couple different IPAs from Battery Steel. Nice. Uh, one's called Flume. The other one's called Onsite Number 7. I think on-site number seven is probably the one that I'd say is my, my favorite of the past week. Uh, it's a heavily hopped Citra and Vic Secret double IPA, uh, hazy style, fermented with a new blend of yeast that makes for one juicy IPA is how they refer to it. 6.8%, uh, so it's actually not a double, but uh, 
a really nice combination of uh, of a bitter backbone, but uh, really you know bold hop flavors going on too. So it was really enjoyable, and uh, I would have to agree that that they're doing some really good things. So battery steel, everyone remember battery steel. Looked like on site was just like an experimental hop series that they do. So there's a number one, a number two, a number three, and this was number seven, and it was really good. Wow. Nice. No complaints. Cool. Well, now that we've had the American IPA quench your curio to start with from Henry and Fran, now into the Skittle Goza. This is interesting. That's interesting. Um, just to give you a little background on Henry There's and Fran. There's a ton of sludge in my glass already. Am I yeah. the only one with this? This is crazy. Well, I told you. I tried not to shake it up as best I could. Um, they're out of West Boylston, Massachusetts, which is a part of or suburb of Worcester. This was sent graciously from our friend Tim. He actually picked it up for me because if you are interested, you can follow them on social media. And when they do can releases, it's an Eventbrite ticket. Oh, that's right. And they do proxy. So I bought tickets for the release. Tim said, hey man, I'll go pick them up. No problem. Just send me a label and I'll send them out to you. So that's exactly what we did with this. So I got the American IPA and the Goza. He did send a couple of randos with it, which is kind of cool. There's one that someday in the future we'll taste, but uh, we did also bring a sour with the ability to drink that too. And quench your curio, quench your curio, a IPA that we had earlier. Yep. American. Good, com- good combination. Yeah. The, uh, the brewers are not actually Henry and Fran. Uh, there are a couple of guys that were deployed in Fallujah together, and apparently Henry and Fran was the intersection of a couple streets in Fallujah. Hmm. So that's where they got the brewery name. They say they get a lot of calls that ask for, so who am I talking to, Henry or Fran? <laughs> uh, they are a five-barrel brew house. Small. Super small. Yeah. So that is, uh, for anybody who knows what a barrel is, barrel is about 31 U.S. gallons. So you're talking about a 155-gallon brewery. Very small. They focus on juicy IPAs, farmhouse ales, sours, barrel, aged beers, and now spontaneous and wild fermented ales. So that's kind of a little bit about the background of Henry and Fran. But if you're someone who's curious as to, you know, what this brewery is like and you know somebody in the Worcester area, you know, you can buy tickets. This is very interesting. It starts with kind of like the tartness. And yeah. That, but then there's that you can taste the Skittles on, on the finish at the end. Very like, sweet. Like the lingering taste. I actually, I feel like I just... That's what I was thinking too. Pounded some Skittles. It's very, you know, ghost style, very salty up front. And then uh, but the not, Skittles really do come in on the finish. But it's not, no, it's I think not, I think both this, both of those things are well balancing yes, each other. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the ABV on this? I didn't even see... Uh, 5.3. Okay. So it's actually a little high for a ghost. For a ghost. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not overly potent or too tart it's actually probably very light on tartness for a goes in my I think opinion so too. It, it just starts with the tart and then it, it's really flavorful yeah and it, it it says on the can keep cold do not open warm otherwise you'll get a gusher that's a different a, d- a different candy from uh, our childhood okay. probably the gushers if we if we decide we can pop the other one otherwise we've got a couple other ones from atlanta ryan would like to talk about yeah, and we got kind of a nice uh, little can share going on here. And uh, coincidentally, uh, we have, I don't know, a few different sizes. But uh, for three people, 
splitting some 16 ounce cans and 12 ounce cans and soon to be a 500 milliliter bottle. It's like the perfect uh, yeah. scenario to sample a bunch of different beers. So I agree. We didn't really plan it that way, but it's work. It's working out uh, nice so far. We've got a couple mystery beers over there. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. We'll throw everyone off later. I can't talk about the size of those. Yeah. We'll completely torch our, t- our palates with these and then go on to those. But I like it. Uh, I believe the one that I had, the when I had it the first time, it was far more sweet than I remember this. And maybe because now this one's a little warmer, I think that this is probably best served, served cold, but drank a little warmer. I shouldn't say warm, but a little less cold. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I'm not getting as much sweetness out of it. And we've had a few of the Henry and Franz before, I think mostly IPAs. Maybe a, was there a stout in there at some point? I think it was just from a previous podcast we did at Poor Brothers. We did. I remember I remember having one A at Good Poor Day for Banana Fish, I believe yep, it was called. That sounds right. And that was about the only one because our friend Tim, who loves, this, loves these guys and lives in their backyard, has uh keeps them all for himself <laughs> and since <laughs> hey you know for him to send me that many because i got a full allotment was uh very awesome for him to go pick those up for me obviously i wasn't going to fly all the way out to worcester to you know i'd go out to visit him but i think we should do that tim hey, we're coming tim we're coming for you and do they even have a tap room where you can drink on site or is it strictly the ticket ticketed can releases soon to have a tap room okay i did see on their social media that they have received permits and such for building a tap room okay formal tap room but with a five barrel brew house there's no need for you probably or probably don't have room and if have the the space for it so cool so ryan what do we have uh poured here yeah so we have some family in the atlanta area uh shout out to aaron who is uh a listener as well of the pints and provisions podcast and he wanted uh us to try some Local beers uh, down in the Atlanta area. He's uh, on the northern side a little bit, um, but he sent us three different ones. And the first one that we're starting off with is by Scafflaw Brewing Company. I think I pronounced that correctly. Yeah. Uh, this one's, I think, kind of their staple. It's called Basement IPA. It's a 7.5% IPA. And uh, I think it's strictly uh, cit- citra hops is what uh, the description looks like. And... I think it's considered to be a little bit of uh, a combination of like an East Coast, like a classic East Coast style and is this uh, a, hop forward. Is it Imperial or, or double? It says it's an IPA. 7.5% is kind of right on the verge of okay. that. And I just took a, a, a real quick sip so far and it's really bitter. And I, I really like it for that. I mean, it's got a really right. nice bitterness to it. Brings you back to the bitterness of a yep. normal pale ale. Yeah, correct. I mean, just looking at like the the clarity and everything. I mean, it, this is you know, <laughs> yeah, it's great. This is what IPAs were uh, kind of so- seeking out to be, you know, sure. several years ago. Um, and it's you know, just like we talked about a few podcasts ago, drinking the Bear Republic. I mean, these are yeah. this is a terrific style. It's super crisp and still flavorful, and you don't need all the haze and potent hops and it's zero a, bitterness it, to nice, make a great it's IPA. It's nice to go back to that sometimes and just um, you know change it up yeah and this doesn't have any i don't get a lot of perceivable malt flavor i don't get bready biscuit cracker i just get hops it's a showcase of hops Uh, the yeast really obviously falls out of this kind of a beer and it's a complete window dressing for the hops that it's that it's going for 
Ryan, did you say Citra in this? Yeah. Okay. And it's you know it's it's definitely a little bit different. It's light too of what we're used to drinking with the, a Citra IPA, just because right. you get uh, so much more of that fruit forward when it comes in on the hazy style. Um, I don't know. I just love the balance of the bitterness in this, and this is something you could easily upcoming now with college football. If you want to sit down and have four of them, you can without having to worry about. It is weighing at seven point five. Did you say four? Four uh, ounces? Over, over a football game, you could probably have four. You could probably have four. They're 12-ounce beers. Too, yeah, 12-ounce so. cans helps. Well, yeah. It's good. It's, we'll, it's we'll, we'll stick with solid. That. It's solid. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I've had this before or not. I feel like I have, but uh, I don't know if I've had it this fresh. Aaron texted me about a week ago and said, I picked up some cans. I'm sending them to you, and so you guys better drink them fresh on the podcast. So... I told you guys, all right, we've got an agenda item for our upcoming recording. And uh, so these are, you know, only a couple weeks old and, and really, really nice and enjoyable and uh, easy to drink, obviously, when you're splitting it three ways, too. Do they do they have uh, stouts, I think, that they do, right? They've got the Absentium series, okay. which I think they do with a lot of different adjuncts. Uh, I don't know a ton about Scofflaw, actually. It's, uh, it's kind of the premier craft brewery in the Atlanta area from what at least from what I know from being down there and visiting family that was kind of the main one that I was targeting the last time we had a little family event down there um, wasn't able to go but Scoffle was kind of the main one on the radar and I know that that was one that a lot of the more local uh, uh, pub type places would target to have on draft I'm, yeah I'm seeing the start of something here that I like and I think if people could just send their favorite beers from wherever they are and we'll talk about them and drink them on the air, that sounds like a really good idea. Yeah, we appreciate all the listeners that still have hung <laughs> yeah. on for now for 25 episodes. We purposely did this theme, beers shipped to us. Please yeah. keep it coming. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah, we'll make that the title of this podcast in brackets. Please send beer. Please send beer. Please send beer. I like it. So if you guys are ready for the second one. Might as well. Sure. Um, we're going through these a little bit quicker, but uh, 12 ounce cans, so they're um, pretty easy to sample, as I said. And actually, Aaron did a, a really good job of uh, picking these out because this next one is a variant of the basement. Oh, good. So uh, it's called the it's called Pog, as I'm sure you can guess, because Pog is kind of used in sours and some other things. Uh, passion fruit, orange, and guava. Oh, okay. I like it. I'll. Get this uh, pouring around a little bit. And so, yeah, so so Scofflaws, uh, they're, I think they kind of hit, uh, kind of hit the ground running with their IPAs, but then this Absentium series, I think they bottle and they release some variants throughout the year. Um, and that's really kind of got, uh, got them a lot more demand just on probably some of the more rare beer scene as well. Uh, they're on the kind of the northwest side of uh, of the Atlanta area, but I think they do can releases and and some stout bottle releases as well throughout uh, throughout the course of the year. It's good to have this coupled with the cup, you know, the hazies that we've had, just to make sure that our palates are being honest with us when you come to the hops. I totally agree. And I, I think we talked about this last time with that Bear Republic, but uh, I think you got some right, Evan. I did. Okay, thank you. So. Uh, it seems like it's harder and harder to find this style 
that's Ooh, well wow. done. Uh, it seems like so many breweries right now are trying to do the hazy style. It makes money. And when we go to our local beer stores to get uh, to get some cans, you know, if these hazy IPAs have taken three or four weeks to get to the shelf, it makes it uh, not as enjoyable to drink, which I think hurts the quality a little bit. But then I think it's just because there's so much hype around that haze, the haze craze, whatever we want to call it, yeah. that uh, breweries are doing this style less and less. And uh, it's just this it's beer, always... This, this beer is dangerous. This, is, this yeah. thing is like a juice bomb of just... But sit- it, it's but it's so smooth and and it's got a great bitterness that you expect from a regular right pa- like pale ale IPA. But there's just like all the tropical yeah. citrus and with it, that's oh, this, so good. And this reminds me of a, a good West Coast IPA with breweries like Stone do. They really don't mess around. Oh, that's nice. They really don't mess around too much with all late kettle hops and hops. They plenty of bitterness into it but still will use a little bit of adjunct here and there to highlight some of the hops this is crushable yeah this, would you uh, say this... six for a uh, football game i guess it depends on who you're watching <laughs> i want to go to evan's house for a football game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey i've watched many iowa state games all by myself oh so that's where the four eight percent ipas come from we get it yeah yeah <laughs> hey i i've got a little bit more i it's a little bit better these days but Back in some days, it was not. Yeah, this is uh, this is terrific. I mean, I get a lot of the orange definitely, definitely. popping out. A uh, little bit of the guava on the finish. Um, <laughs> I think I get a lot of guava. This high, I get a lot of tropical, yep, like very tropical, pulpy same. fruit. Yep, that's great. The extra fruit hides the bitterness really well. It does, but also, like you said, Mark, it's extra crushable yeah it's you uh you don't want to be in the same abv it's a little bit more dangerous you don't necessarily want to label it this but this is like a beach beer for me but a lot of times nice. like oh, a, yeah. a lot of times people like pool beers beach beers they're usually like low abv because you're hanging out all day so this is a little bit higher but i would love this sit on the beach and this uh at 7.5 percent i mean that's not a mm-hmm. low abv by any means you know even for an ipa and like you said, Evan, you don't get a ton of that malt, biscuit, bread. Uh, it really does go down really, really smooth, and it almost drinks a lot more like a, I don't know, like the smoothness is more like a 6% uh, that just, yeah. it goes down really easy. I would, I would say even lower than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this if, would... if you poured that for me and I didn't know, I would have thought, you know, four, four and a half max. Yeah. And if I have four of them, not knowing what the ABV was... I would definitely be asking for help. Drive. <laughs> yeah. Uber. So I have one more. I just cracked one too. This is like rapid fire. Everyone take an ounce or two and drink. I cracked the Henry and Fran, what is this, Precious Madness? Yes. Precious Madness, sour ale with raspberry and raspberry sorbet. Quicker, quicker. Weighing in at 6.1. 6.1. This is a nice, It's it's got a little opacity to it, not completely clear. A very good raspberry red color, almost little red red purple. Ton. Oh, I can get the sorbet that creaminess. So this is probably what you could get if you got a little lactose in there too. The, the pace of this beer tasting is cracking me up. Like I can't even get this. Is like the, say to, <laughs> this is like the Mark pours when we did bourbon. <laughs> no, those were huge pours that took a long time. This is like this is like uh, I feel like our listeners are watching a tennis game. They're like, what, what? Back and yeah. forth, back and forth. Well, the whole idea was everyone get a little sample, an ounce or two of 
everything to kind of break this down because people want to hear what they said. They want to hear. So Ryan, this, uh, this sweet water, is this something you can buy locally? Cause I know they're starting to distribute to this area. It is not. So this is uh, specific to the Atlanta area. So that's okay. why, that's why he sent that one is that even though that they've expanded their distribution and I'll uh, read the details for that in a second, but, uh, this one is still, uh, they, they've kind of still kept a series or two that are strict to Atlanta, and then they've uh, expanded on like the 420 IPA and a couple other ones. I was just going to mention another really good beer that we had while we were setting up here, um, while we were hopefully not rushing too much in all these samples, but there was a beer also sent to us from, um, I guess some family members of the Branch and Bone Artisan Ales Brewery out of Dayton, Ohio. And they just opened up and they just uh, released one of their first IPAs in cans. I'm not for sure the history on the place and if they've done anything uh, out of tap rooms or, you know, out of <laughs> like a garage or anything, you know, really simple like Treehouse did originally. But they just opened up, and um, their first canning was a double IPA with Citra and Amarillo hops called In the Light. We had that while we were setting up, and uh, that actually almost uh, topped my favorite beer for the week. So, I mean, this thing was was a monster. That was and, great. And Mark even said um, the first sip he took, and looking at the artwork on the can from a distance, he thought it was a monkish IPA. And yeah, that's uh, a huge as we compliment. got drinking, we were talking yeah. about it. It was uh, everyone really enjoyed it. It even had the the color that I that you typically see from the monkish beers. So shout out to Jimmy for uh, sending these to us and uh, hopefully he's uh, listening or will be listening to this I was one. Very, and, uh, very impressed. Branch and bone artisan ales, Dayton, Ohio. Check them out. Nice. Um, while we kind of sip on these, we're going to think about these a little bit more. What we want to do when we come back from a little break is talk vanilla. We're going to talk why vanilla costs as much as it does what happens with vanilla, how it's grown, how it's used, how it's used in brewing, and what to expect, because it's one of those probably favorite adjuncts that most people find they really like in beers. And I think it's good to get a background of where it comes from and why it's been such a uh, interesting spice in the world. Not only does uh, the price and volatility of vanilla affect beer drinkers, but it also affects your ice cream connoisseurs so perfect <laughs> yeah we want to we'll, we'll get into that but we're going to take a little break uh, always appreciate what the hopped up network uh does for us so go check out the hopped up network we've got our podcasts and lots of other podcasts on there so we'll be back if you are looking for more beer podcasts just like the one you're listening to right now then head on over to hoppedupnetwork.com we are a podcast network focused on our local craft beer communities. Here's a quick example of one of the many podcasts you will find. Are you a discerning beer drinker? Do you drink beer for the tastes of blackcurrant and old leather? Can you tell the difference between Simcoe and Citra hops, despite whatever type of beer you might be drinking? Yeah, sorry, that's not this podcast. You want to listen to somebody else. We here at the Speak Podcast do regular beer for regular beer. Joe Six Pack Beer at Joe Six Pack Taste. That's Rob, Adam, and Pete, proud members of the Hopped Up Network. Three guys, two beers, one show. All right, we've uh, taken about a 15-20 minute break and uh, finished up uh, the last one of our Atlanta beers. 
Hotlanta. Hotlanta. This was from Sweetwater Brewing Company, just on the northern side of Atlanta. Uh, it's great that uh, the city, you know, kind of embraces uh, some of their local craft breweries to be in the city limits and be very accessible. You know, if you're uh, staying downtown in Midtown or whatever. And uh, Sweetwater has been a big one known for a while. Their 420 kind of really put them on the map, and uh, that's pretty much distributed around the country. Uh, yep. We just drank Triple Tail. It's a 5.5%. Uh, I, You know, it's called an IPA. I would probably call it more of a session IPA, and it doesn't really give the description to it, but basically kind of a tropical uh, session IPA, very similar to the style of the Scofflaw ones that we had, only uh, much uh, kind of simpler, lighter, still fairly fruity, you know, uh-huh. kind of a nice showcase, very easy drinking. I think all of us uh, definitely were uh, really, really favoring the Scofflaw, but Scofflaws, you know, kind of yeah. got a big name for themselves. So uh, we really uh, had a had a fun job, fun time doing uh, the Atlanta beer. So yeah. thank you, Aaron. Um, we just finished that one up, uh, took some pictures, and... Uh, I think we're moving on to the big boy. Vanilla. We're going to we're going to delve into the second most expensive spice in the world and also known to be the most volatile spice in the world. Anyone uh, want bonus what the most expensive spice per weight is in the world? Time? Eh, wrong. Salt? Nope. Um... Think think paella. Paella. Spanish paella. Coffee? Saffron. 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 Anyway. Lowry's? <laughs> Turmeric? Uh, <laughs> um, so, when you want to talk about vanilla, well, Ryan will tell you the best beer in the world ever made is... <laughs> um, there you go. Beautiful. Heard that magnetic click. I know. On our uh, notable Adam Hicks beer. Uh, Bourbon County rare bottle opener. It's pretty. It's pretty. The 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 best beer in the world ever made, of course, uh, per Ryan, is Bourbon Vanilla Dark Lord. There you go. Bourbon Any Vanilla year, Dark Lord. Any year. Best on the planet, in the universe. In the universe. On Earth. <laughs> ever made. So vanilla is one of those adjuncts. I, I, I believe in stouts is probably one of the favorites of most people. I think it imparts some of the most intense flavors and characteristics. Originally, vanilla was native to Mexico and was native to pollination by the bees in Mexico, somehow made its way to Madagascar, which does now produce about 80% of the world's vanilla. It's an island off of the east coast of Africa and is also known popular DreamWorks motion picture. The... (laughs) Price of vanilla, so just think about the price per kilo, for per kilogram, is about $20. Now, you can go online and buy single vanilla beans, Madagascar vanilla beans. A single bean is going to cost you about 6 bucks. So about $6 a bean. The original price back in the day was 20 per kilo, but now is about $515 per kilogram. It is comparable to silver in terms of price per kilogram. Jeez. Silver is about $527 per kilogram. I did a little research today. Did silver go up in price the last 10 years or five years like I, uh, vanilla did? No, it did not. That's why vanilla is kind of known as one of the most volatile. 
Uh, again, uh, now, because the native bees of Mexico were the ones that pollinated vanilla in Mexico, it is hand-pollinated in most other places in the world. So you got to imagine the kind of work that goes into bringing a vanilla plant from planting to maturity, which actually takes about three years for new crops, nine months for a vanilla bean pod to mature, and then it can take weeks after that to harvest the bean and get it ready for processing and get it ready for use in food. One of the biggest problems with vanilla these days apparently is theft. Because of how expensive it is and how much it's worth, there are a lot of thieves that will go in and steal the vanilla, which has led to two problems. Farmers will tend to harvest the vanilla too early because they're worried that if they wait too long, it's going to be it's going to get stolen. And because it gets harvested too early, then the maturity, the intensity of the flavor diminishes, and therefore the price actually goes down a little bit because of that. And there are a couple of interesting things that you can read about that talk about how they've tried to prevent this. And theft is a problem, whether it's in Mexico, Madagascar, anywhere. Right. And again, 80% of the world's crop comes from Madagascar. So, right. And there's a, some other tropical climates that you can get vanilla from, but Madagascar is one of the most common. For instance, Chobani yogurt now has a new flavor that's called a hint of Madagascar vanilla and cinnamon. It's such a sexy description. Oh, yeah. Uh, the word Madagascar. <laughs> just, uh, I don't know. It but might it, even derive from like the cartoon Madagascar, just like adding that into people's minds. But it's such a sexy I description totally that it doesn't have to say beans. It doesn't have to say anything else. It could be extract or whatever. It just it could yeah. be one yeah. percent Madagascar vanilla, and it just adds that extra sexiness that has to drive the demand out of this world. Yeah, just like when restaurants moved from using homemade to housemade, you everyone kind of has this uh, perception that it's so much better. The quality is so much better. Sharp cheddar. Yeah, that word sharp just adds like <laughs> ten times as good extra as flavor. sharp. You guys Vermont are no white way. cheddar. You guys are cracking me up right now. Yeah, so. Uh, I think vanilla is most probably actually in the world known for its use in ice cream. So if anyone has a affinity for Haagen-Dazs or things like that that are made with natural vanilla, that's what we're talking about, not artificial vanilla. And we'll kind of get into the differences there. But it also, and I found this interesting in my research, apparently is also a spice that is used in Calvin Klein obsession. So if you're someone who is uh, whose, whose spouse or uh, significant other uses Calvin Klein Obsession, you must really love vanilla. So that's interesting too. Very interesting. But of course, in 2017, there was some tropical cyclones that moved through Madagascar, which is part of the reason a huge spike in the price had gone up because it had ruined a bunch of crops. And if you're thinking there's about three years from planting to maturity, we're still in the point of which right now we're in a little bit of a deficit of available Madagascar vanilla. So maybe you'll get this, get to this, Evan, but uh, how has craft beer shifted the market? Probably little less so than most other things, but certainly it, it, it's probably led to, in, in my opinion, it's probably led to in the past where vanilla intensities and flavors were so amazing that it's diminished a little bit, where they probably use a little bit less. But again, when you think about how it's extracted from the whole bean, there's a little bit of inconsistency with it. Um, right now, if a farmer looks at, at 
planting vanilla, we're talking about a dollar a bean that they're going to basically make. And so that's why um, there's, there's such a stressful culture about making it, farming it, because when the quality of it goes down, because they harvest it early, because they're worried about people stealing it, the price goes down. And that's a less, that's a less, that's a smaller incentive for the farmers to actually grow it because they're not going to get as much. Of course, lower price leads to less incentive to grow. But when it's higher price, then there's less incentive for the secondary market to use it in flavoring like ice cream beer, because if it's too costly, they're going to start using artificial, which most home brewers are probably pretty adept at using artificial vanilla for a lot of home brewed vanilla beers and less to using whole bean. Um, it is a chemical compound that can be extracted from the vanilla and that's how ex- extract um, sometimes is viewed, but actually most artificial vanilla. So there's vanilla extract and then, and that's why when you pick up vanilla extract in the grocery store that it, there's some alcohol content to it because you use alcohol to help extract it from the bean. Now, if you're talking artificial vanilla, that is actually made um, from a chemical compound that's a byproduct of the paper industry. So try to stay away from artificial vanilla. And if you have to, you can use vanilla extract, which is actually real vanilla extracted. In brewing, it's typically used at flame out or whirlpool, kind of like hops for New England IPAs are used. And that's when you can put extract in. When you use whole bean, you're using it like dry hopping. So we call it dry spicing or dry hopping. And what you're supposed to do ahead of time is split the bean that means right down along. So think about it like a really long green bean that looks brown. Lengthwise. Split it lengthwise, and you're supposed to soak it in vodka or scotch, something that has alcohol content because that helps extract more intense flavor. And you add not only bean, but the little bit of alcohol that you soaked it in into your dry hopping. Also helps kill. Specifically vodka or scotch? It, it, alcohol helps extract it, but it also will help kill or keep microbes out. Why not like a 120 proof bourbon? Or like hot, or hot Mark damn. usually has for us. Or what about like a rum or something? That sounds good. You probably could do that too, but any kind of alcohol basically is going to kill. I've usually heard vodka. Yeah, by her, I've heard vodka too. So if you were I a, drink this really fast. Is there any more? Oh, yeah. So, it, well, wow, that's got a lot of, that still has plenty of intense vanilla flavor there. So to highlight our topic into vanilla, we've cracked the fundamental observation batch four from our folks over at Bottle Logic. In Anaheim, California, Anaheim, California. bottled two weeks ago. Or actually, it was probably bottled a little bit more, but released two weeks ago. Nice. So if you're a home brewer like me, it is a five-gallon batch. And they nope. specify Madagascar vanilla they beans do. in they this do. beer. If I were to do a vanilla batch, I would actually probably only need maybe one to three vanilla beans. For a five-gallon five gallon batch. batch. A lot of homebrew uh, forums, online forums, usually talk about that, splitting it, of course. If you were to use extract, you're looking at two to four ounces of extract. And would you get those vanilla beans on like at a grocery store you can I you mean, can order them online i mean would you if you were doing it would you order them online so that they'd be probably a little probably. fresher yeah a little better quality do a little research as to what sources may have actually madagascar in quality would now, you get them shipped directly from madagascar serious question <laughs> no they're no no they're gonna go to a, a secondary source they're somewhere in the u.s sells them and then they're kind of a uh, distributor or wholesaler from 
Madagascar or Mexico or wherever. For sure. Yeah. What is it? Mexico, Tahiti. Yeah, Tahitian, Tahitian vanilla. To, yeah, Tahitian. Madagascar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's really like a, the main one. There's right? another one too. Isn't there like a, a bourbon vanilla, but not like like bourbon the alcohol, but bourbon. I think that's similar to like uh, the way a coffee bean is grown because they oh. have like bourbon, not not bourbon barrel, but just like a bourbon. I'm gonna have to look this up. Maybe that maybe that's vanilla bean soaked within in... the bean or something like okay. that. I don't know. I I don't think that's a separate. I think that's. Basically, whatever your bourbon vanilla, I think that's still derived from Tahitian I mean, or Mexican. The ones or, you named are like probably the well-known ones, but anywhere along the equator is going to do it, right? Probably, yeah. the The right kind of like climate. I remember, I remember temperate being climate. in Costa Rica and they had um, tropical climate, not temperate. Yeah, they but they had like a Costa Rican vanilla v- vanilla bean, and we I remember buying the extract to bring home. Yeah, I'm sure it's just like hops, where there and and wine grapes that there are certain Climates that tend to There's grow climates well. all around the U.S. that can grow wine grapes, yep. but the best ones are if it says uh, you know California or Washington, you're going to favor that Oregon. over yeah. you know Michigan. Yeah. Um, just to give you a quick idea, let's say Henry and Fran wanted to do a batch of a vanilla stout, considering that you're going to use one to three vanilla beans per five gallons. They're a 15 barrel brew house, which translate to 465 gallons. And if you want to use two beans per five gallons, you're talking about 186 vanilla beans. So let's just say you want to round up to 200 to make sure it's a very intense flavor. You're talking five to six dollars per bean. You're considering a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars per batch. Now that's a 15 barrel brew house. Bottle Logic is not a 15 barrel brew house. Uh, Three Floyds is not a 15 barrel brew house. So I don't, I can't recall what their what their barrel size is, but you're talking. You know, if you want to do 400 to 450 gallons of beer of something, you're going to spend 1000 to $1,500 on just the vanilla beans. I think it's well worth it. <laughs> Bourbon vanilla is named for the island known as uh, Reunion. In the early 19th century, it was known as Isle Bourbon. The bourbon vanilla plant stock originally came from Mexico. Okay. Bourbon vanilla and Mexican vanilla are essentially the same, though soil and climate can produce subtle flavor differences. So, so it's a style, but not necessarily a, a region. Okay. Yeah, kind of like a variant. So that's a little bit of background. It's kind of nerdy, but it's kind of interesting. I like the I like the foe. This goes down as one of my favorite vanilla beers. But it's not the best in the world ever made in the well, history of the well, world. The well, well, no, <laughs> but it's it's right there. No, it's good. Is this my cue to speak up because you're making fun of me? Because Hanji is awesome. Hanji is awesome. I was just going to say, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of beers when you just look on the can or the bottle and it just says vanilla. Yep. You know, it might say chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, or with vanilla added or something like that. So it's not even spe- it's not even specifying vanilla extract or vanilla beans. So is that where you, you know, one of those where you would say stay away or is that just not going to get or impart uh, as good of flavors? I mean, where, where, what are you thinking when, now that you've done some research and really kind of had a chance to look some of this up and obviously we've experienced it just drinking the different styles over the years, but uh, I don't know where your thoughts on that, Evan. I would sort of look at it as those of, those of you that, look for natural ingredients in what you eat and what you drink. 
So there's nothing wrong with, I think, vanilla extract. What I would stay away from is artificial. Now, whether you're required to say it's artificial or extract or whole bean, I'm sure when you're a brewery like Bottle Logic, you're going to want to put down on your, you have whole vanilla uh, Madagascar vanilla beans on here because that no, you know that they're using full beans. They're using the most intense and natural flavor that you can get. I would assume that a good handful of those breweries that say vanilla are probably using extracts. Sure. Not sure. necessarily yeah. artificial, but they're probably using extract, which is fun, and you'll get a lot of intense flavor from that. But it's just like everything. If you're going to search the natural ingredient or you know the natural flavorings, then you're going to want to look for things that say Madagascar vanilla or Tahitian vanilla or Mexican vanilla. So another one that comes to mind when I think of great vanilla stouts would be um, Bourbon County uh, Vanilla Rye. Yeah. Do we know what they used in that for their vanilla? They, they, I don't think they specify, but they do say vanilla beans on the label. Then they okay. must use whole vanilla yeah. beans. And they may not be from Madagascar, but they're just whole vanilla beans. Okay. That's an interesting question. And I think that's what you know consumers are going to nowadays want to know more is like, do you guys use extract? Do you guys use artificial? Do you guys use real beans? But I just thought that I've always wanted to try to use vanilla and I've been intimidated because how many do you use, how to get it, it's expensive, what if it doesn't work? And a place like Bottle Logic has to be thinking the same thing. They put a ton of effort into making a beer like this. And of course, when you put it in bourbon barrels, you're already getting vanilla from the wood and from, from the, the bourbon. So yep. it's just like like Hanji. It's just a it's just an unadulterated vanilla bomb. Let's, right. Let's not forget the uh the poor man's version. Yeah. Here. So you could take you did a, that. You could take a single vanilla bean, slit it down the side, put it in your. Well, you did the grass. extract, right? No, no, we did uh, with Dan. We did a vanilla. You bean. did a bean, yeah, yeah. He did he you went, split it open? Did you yeah, uh, yeah, expose he, it to alcohol first or any of that? I don't think he. I think he just slit it and put it in with with yeah. the. Well, it was exposed to alcohol because we poured it in with a bourbon county true as it's yeah as it's um 14. steeping or whatever you call it yeah so technically it was exposed um, but you also brought one for a podcast that you did vanilla extract right Sure, that's just because i didn't have vanilla beans no i all. know but yeah. we i don't think we noticed a ton of vanilla from that right and probably because it was weak yeah. but if i had a whole vanilla bean i mean it's just it's overwhelming vanilla like this is yeah so interesting and and vanilla rye uses a mix of uh, me- Mexican and Madagascar vanilla beans. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. Cool. So, and that was probably. I mean, I know the 2010 vanilla Bourbon County. You're talking about the 14. Well, yeah, vanilla rye, coming I mean, out this year, 2018. Good old brand vanilla. Yeah. Every eight years or so is when what their pattern is. It's kind of uh, random, but uh, that'll be exciting. Yeah. Oh, I think that'll create quite a buzz yeah. on Black mm-hmm. Friday for sure. Right. So, when you when you think of you know a few really really good vanilla beers, whether it's barrel aged or just uh, imparting in the flavor or whatever, um, outside of Hanji, which is the best on the universe. <laughs> on the and planet. fundamental observation, obviously, we, we've we really enjoyed this one. Um, Vanilla Rye by Bourbon County. Um, what other ones come to mind? Do you have any other ones that are maybe less? I mean, because the other thing with this, and not to make too long of a question, but, uh, you know, a, yeah, lot of the the, a lot of the, bro- well, <laughs> what are the ones that come to mind that are, that are some really good, good ones that stand out? Because the other thing that even a really good one is hard to find because it's so expensive, like you've yeah. been talking about that the breweries 
even if it's one of your top breweries that release a bunch of uh, a bunch of bottles on every release, they're they're going to have to limit this much more because it's so expensive, right? Yeah. So and and, and it's a risk if it's, you're a small brewery. And what it's if a it, risk. Everything. Yeah. When you, everything when you, combined. When you when you consider you're probably going to be dry spicing this. You're going to be putting it in a barrel. There's a there's all sorts of steps along the way that it can get contaminated and get infected. And if you consider how much investment you probably put into the cost of the vanilla probably equals the cost of everything else that you're putting into the beer. It's yeah. a pretty you know, and if you were a brewery that you own the place and you don't care, just do it. But when you have investors at that you Well when might you consider be six six thousand craft breweries in the US Probably fifty five hundred of them <clears throat> don't have the funds to just do a you know hundred barrel batch and risk a bunch of Madagascar vanilla beans going to waste and all that beer going to waste. So it's like you know I don't know how many. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It just seems like if something's with vanilla beans with vanilla, it's always like a thousand to five thousand to ten thousand bottle count. It's very limited. Maybe it hits distribution, but not much more, you know, outside of very, very limited distribution. I agree. So one vanilla and one that comes to mind is the uh, the vanilla shake, the beer geek vanilla shake. Uh, that was By done, me, Keller. Yeah, that was done very well. Yeah. Um, and they bourbon barrel aged that too. I mean, some of the ones from Prairie. Prairie's like the, a good the job. The Prairie Dog series. I don't know if they use. They they say vanilla on there, and actually that's another question I thought about asking was they also say marshmallow in some of theirs. So how do you differ marshmallow versus vanilla? I mean, it's basically like. But that's a hand, a sugary too, right? compound. Hangy's yeah. vanilla beans. It does say that. Oh, I thought it was a marshmallow. No, it's it's called marshmallow hangy, but oh, it's okay. Uh, okay. it does the, right. the ingredients do say vanilla beans. Okay. Yeah. Um, other ones. Uh, I actually looked this up real quick. Uh, Derivation six from Side Project. Never, <laughs> never had the pleasure. Okay. All right. um, Dang it. Summa- Come on, Corey. Summation from Three Sons. Did we not have that? Uh, I think we did have that. Oh, no, not we've summa- had, not no. from Three Sons. <laughs> we've had like, fundamental what? summation. Okay. Not Three Sons made like fifty bottles of that. <laughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> we've had fundamental summation that okay. Bottle Logic made. Which is also a good version. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing with this is Bottle Logic has done, call it variants of fundamental observation or just all these different vanilla stouts well, how, that have just knocked it out of the park. How many How many Florida breweries? Because I think of stouts, I think of hashtag Florida being Florida mm-hmm. doing stouts. Wakefield's done vanilla in some oh, of yeah. this. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, they, I don't think that they say vanilla beans, do they? Nope. No. Which I would expect it probably means extract because coconut, vanilla. It's one of those things like if you use organic, you're gonna you're gonna post it all over the place that yep, you sure. use organic. Yep. I think it's probably the same with vanilla beans. Angry Chair says vanilla. They don't say Oh yeah, and they more do specific. tons That's of adjunct stouts. Yeah. Yep. Another one too would be Kane. Kane did a nice vanilla beer. Yeah. What what was that called? The, they're anteed vanilla. Was um, it like a, a dawn? A night, a, to a night, end, yeah. night to end all dawns. All dawns. Yes. <laughs> there yeah. you go. That series is really good. They're out of uh, either southern New Jersey or eastern Pennsylvania. Cane Brewing. I think it's New Jersey. And uh, that whole series is great. Right. I I wouldn't be surprised if they use vanilla beans because they uh, seem to try to go for the ingredients like really hard. But uh, yeah, that's a good good example. Yeah. But even all the ones that come to the top of our head are all like... 2,000, 5,000 bottle releases. Yeah, you're right. right. They're all very low bottle counts probably because you can't procure enough madagascar vanilla or yeah. at least purchase enough to make a big batch mm-hmm. 
Which I would say then probably Three Floyds probably has to do some of the highest bottle counts of any whole bean vanilla beer, which is Hanji. Yeah, for sure. Especially this year that was uh, exceeded uh, 3,000 bottles. 3,000 bottles. Yeah. That's incredible. The 2013 but, we had was like 680 bottles or something. A lot of years are seven to 800. But they have probably the capacity Absolutely. and funds and backing yeah, the, to yeah, do it. Yeah, Absolutely. they have the buying power to do it for sure. And they do it well. The best ever. On the planet. <laughs> it's like the joke you that will never it. get hey, tired. It came out of your mouth, not mine. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Are should we, doing, we should we are dip we into the quick, black glass? Quick little blind taste. We had uh, sure. we had mine out too. We won't drink mine because we're uh, running out of time. I know. Yeah, we're running out of time. But I want to take a little sip of this. I want to give an opportunity to let us embarrass ourselves doing a blind tasting. Mark poured this. He knows what it is. Ryan and I do not. And while we drink this, I was just going to mention that uh, I was lucky enough to have a trip with my wife to Los Angeles last week where I love LA fundamental observation was still being uh, released in the bottles you had some variants right and so we had uh, in advance gotten tickets to get bottles so uh, we flew back with eight total bottles of this fundamental observation 2018 and uh, the day we picked up the bottles they had I believe four variants on draft and they just knocked those out of the park it was uh Really cool to be there for that. I mean, they do the release over like a month period, but I don't know how many variants they have and how long those last. Um, one was strictly with coffee. One was strictly with coconut. One was a combination oh, of like vanilla? hazelnuts and coffee oh, that they wow. had just put on that day. Um, they really, nice. they really uh, do a heck of a job with. I mean, obviously, their base fundamental observation, but as they do uh, variants like fundamental summation with coffee, number crunch with extra chocolate, and however they, oh, they word those. Extra chocolate I mean, on number crunch? Geez. Do they need more chocolate I, on number crunch? I don't crunch? know, but I guess uh, so. all of that. I mean, they they really just kind of shake things up with this style and just kill it. it I was, will say right now, blind taste testing after sipping on FO. This is weak. Everything's going to be weak after yeah. after that, so... Heavily I'm gonna, carbed. I'm gonna let you guys uh, talk it out here. I'm I perceive more malt flavors than hops. There is some bitterness, but I can't pinpoint piney, floral, tropical, fruity on the on the hops. I just don't. It's there, and it's there there for bitterness. Yeah, I'd go back like. to that uh, brown ale. Doppelbox style, probably a little bit stronger than that. I mean, I you what know, I what I get caramely, is roasty, toast like toasted malt, like toast, a little burnt toast, but caramel burnt, almost the smell you get from caramelized onions, kind of burnt. Um, I mean, you get a little Mark's chocolate. Mark's gonna stump us. Yeah, I, you. I think you get a little chocolate flavor. Doesn't mean it's adjunct. Doesn't mean you could get that from the malt, but I do get a little bitter bitterness. Maybe that's the hops. Maybe that's a little, little chocolate, but I do get, or hopefully that's not a little FO just sort of creeping into my glass. I'm still tasting vanilla. <laughs> that's so probably strong. true. Our minds that's, are those that's, beans. That's tough. Yeah. Coming off of that FO. Mark, what are you, knowing what this is and sipping on it, what do you. Do you, are you surprised by what you taste from what you know it is, or are, not, are you not? 
Um, like I said, it is tough coming off that FO. So I would say if you knew what you were drinking, it's it's a fair representation. It's a it's probably a little bit thinner. Okay, Ryan, what are you what are you picking up? Let's give a our last taste here. I get like a cola carbonation on the nose. Yeah, it's it, it kind of is carb like a lager to me. Definitely, but uh, I hate to guess a doppelbach, so I'm I don't know. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, let me go. Uh, I I have a feeling it's probably like a. I don't know. I mean, this this tastes like something that begs for fall, begs for for colder weather. Like Not a porter. Summertime, like a porter. Some kind of nice porter. A brown ale, a dark brown ale, something like that. Um, that's kind of all I'm getting. I'm, I, I, it's probably ballpark 5 to 6%. I've got, uh, man, uh, Green Man Porter, like out of Asheville, North Carolina, is kind of what I have on the tip of my tongue. And I don't think Mark's been to Asheville, so I don't know if you've got any Green Man. But uh, it's probably something from Transient or something from Michigan. Maybe Sagatuck Brewing, but uh, I would guess, yeah, kind of like an American Porter, okay. maybe about 7.5%, 7. Okay, so I want what style you think it is, and your guess on ABV. I just did. Yeah, we did. I just, uh, let's, the official. Mark what wasn't it? listening. I was listening, but. Porter, yeah. ABV, 7. Brown Ale, ABV, 5 to 6. Barrel aged or non-barrel aged? None. I'm going to say no. I'm gonna, I don't get barrel. I don't get a lot of characteristic of barrel. And if it is, I'm not getting it. Okay, so... It's a barrel-aged lager. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's uh, the name of the beer is Bearded Bird Barrel Porter, and it's from White Oak in Bloomington. Interesting. And it's a bourbon barrel-aged porter. Weighing in at seven percent. So nicely Ryan. done. Ryan. Whoa! He killed it this Whoa. time. Killed he it. killed Whoa. it. Whoa! <laughs> Baboom! Killed it. I'm, prou- I'm proud of you. ABV and style. And I, style and I would on. say that I don't get barrel in that either. So. I don't get barrel in that. But you could you yes. could you could get the the intense kind of chocolate maltiness. You mm-hmm. know the bitterness of malt, not bitterness of hops. Sure. So that's fun. Thanks for thanks for um, letting Ryan know that he is a true yes. cicerone. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Nailed it. I was impressed. Hashtag nailed it. Okay, so. <laughs> Thanks for joining in, everybody. I think we had a really fun time just randomly, like, just... Going through a bunch of beers. Pounding through some ounce pours of beers. Raspberry puree, Henry and Fran. I love it. Thanks, Tim. Wow. This Thanks, is nice. Tim. Raspberry and raspberry. Okay. Mark is so eager to give us a question or two just, of beer trivia. Okay. Right. So, I think beer trivia is kind of our new thing that we're going to maybe just add something every One or time. two questions. Okay, we'll go. We, we got to keep this under All right. an hour. So, uh, with the impending Oktoberfest season coming up. Boom. Oktoberfest originally started as A, a harvest festival, B, a baptism celebration, C, a wedding party, or D, a brewer's holiday. Harvest festival. Harvest festival is my guess. It, it, it started as... Hang on here. The cards oh, are stuck. Cards are stuck together. A wedding party. Okay, great. I knew we were going to be wrong with Harvest Festival. <laughs> I just knew it. All right, and let me pick one more here. Hard network out coming up. A 2004 study found that people who drink a beer or two a day are more likely to be a tall, b skinny, c pimply, or d smart. 
Smart. Smart. Correct. Smart. Boom. Which has now been pro- proven healthier is uh, completely false. One to two drinks or whatever, uh, or two drinks for a male, one drink for a female yep. is completely bogus. The idea that you are healthier if you drink. So uh, drink up, guys. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, guys.